Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864 864- Two eight eight one six two six, or you can connect with us through our website, hope at crossroads dot org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcast or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads dot org. And now here's this week's message. Well, good morning. Nancy, thank you. Appreciate that word and appreciate the vote of confidence. I just have one question. A lot of times when I think back to that day, what were y'all thinking? <laughs> uh, Joey, your time's up. I'm preaching, okay? Oh. 22 years old, and Nancy, Perry Lyles, Nancy Hudson, wow, God is good, and all the time, mm. let's get going here, you heard this phrase before, I promise, if you'll just get me that, that toy, that snack, that car, that phone, if you'll just get me that toy, Mom, I'll clean my room all week long. If you get me that car, I'll keep it clean. I'll take real good care of it. It'll be spotless. I'll wash it every weekend. We know how long that lasts. Or maybe... It's, Mom, if you'll get me that snack at the store, you know, I, I just, uh, whoever uh, created the aisles there at the grocery store and the checkout counter where all the candy and the gum and all those goodies are right there, uh, we're not thinking of parents with little kids at all. Uh, because I have seen more t- uh, temper tantrums happen in the grocery store checkout line, and I, I included my, my own kids. Uh, and it just, I just think they want to embarrass us, really. You know, <laughs> let's, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of, if you'll get me that, that snack, if you'll get me that piece of candy, I, I'll take out the trash all week. Now, I haven't done it in the 10 years previous, but I'll take it out all week if you get me that promises. We've all made our fair share of those. We've all heard our fair share of promises. Many of us have made promises to loved ones, to people, to co-workers, to parents, to friends in our lives. Every one of us have made promises in our lives that we've kept. And every one of us have made promises in our life that we had no intention of keeping whenever we made them. Those promises were made in order to, for someone to get something that they wanted and they never intended to keep it. Y'all have heard the story of when I was a junior in high school and my buddy called me. He had tickets to this concert over at Clemson University and 
Uh, I'd never been to a big concert like that, and, and it was free, and I made an empty promise to my mama that I never intended to keep. But can I tell you, about 12.30 that night, uh, she made sure that that, was that empty promise and all was kept. We'll just stop right there on that, okay? Uh, but as we continue the study today through the book of Genesis, we find out that God made covenants and promises with Abraham. We'll see that God keeps his promises when he makes them. Every single time when God makes a covenant and he puts promises with it, and all, you can... You can count on it being fulfilled. You can take it to the bank, whatever you want to call it. When God makes a promise and He makes a covenant with someone, all throughout Scripture, He fulfills it. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. There's a song by a group called Maverick City. I want to... Before we get into the scripture today, I want to read these verses to you, these lyrics to you just at the beginning. It's called Promises. It says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. And the chorus goes a little bit like this. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Today, we're going to see that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we serve the God that is the promise keeper. We serve The God that is the promise keeper. Not a God that's a promise keeper, but He is the God that is the promise keeper. The ultimate promise keeper. The best one that there ever was and ever will be. A little background into where we've been. If if you haven't been here, in Genesis chapter 15, we see that God tells Abraham that He's going to give him a son, uh, that He's going to give him an heir. Chapter 16, Sarai, uh, which will... We'll see later is Sarah, uh, who's being barren and all decides that I want to give Abraham a child. So in comes Hagar. He gives, she gives Hagar to Abraham. Abraham, instead of trusting God on his promise that he was going to give him an heir, tries to step into life to make his own decisions, try to help God out a little bit here. And we all know where that went. Thank God for forgiveness. Chapter 17, we see that God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarah's name to Sarah. We see the promise of the birth of Isaac. In spite of both of them laughing because, let's admit it, they were up in age. They were probably beyond, or Sarah was beyond childbearing age at a young 90 years old. Abraham was 100 years old at the time, and Sarah laughs in chapter 18 when she's told that she would have a son. And it kind of goes like this as we pick up. It says, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of the women had ceased to be with Sarah. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, 
after I am worn out. And my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord says, at the appointed time, I will return to you. This is God talking to Sarah about this time. And Sarah shall have a son. We pick up today. and We're going to kind of fast track through Genesis 18 all the way through 22 here. And we see several things. One, at the, the second half of chapter 18, the Lord, and it says two men, which we know is, were angels later on. Never underestimate that you may be entertaining angels in life. But in verse 17 of chapter 18, it says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Verse 19, For I've chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous and justice. Verse 20, Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. There's several things here in chapter 18 that we see. The first thing is this, uh, that we're going to see is that Abraham, that God listened to Abraham's prayer. In verses 20, 22 to 33, we see Abraham going before God, and interceding on behalf of Sodom and interceding on behalf of his nephew Lot. Because if you remember back in Genesis and all, as they came together, Lot and Abraham, all their possessions were, were too great for the land, so uh, they needed to split up. Abraham gave Lot first choice. Lot saw exactly what looked like a great thing, a great land that was fertile. And he chose that valley there where Sodom was. Many times we choose and we make decisions based on the things that we see. And we've always heard, all heard this saying, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. You, you hear that when uh, people are making decisions from, from going from job to, another, to a new job or going from one city to another city or... Uh, even uh, coaches going from one school to the next, players transferring out. And I've heard it said that the grass may be greener on the other side because it's right over the sewer line. In Lot's case, we're going to find out that that was true. But God listened to Abraham's prayer. Abraham goes to God and he says, Will you not... Will you indeed take the life of the righteous along with the wicked? You see, Abraham's thoughts were with the people of Sodom, but most importantly, they were with his family, his nephew Lot, because he knew that's exactly where Lot and his family resided. And he asked the Lord, he said, for 50 righteous men, if you'll find 50 righteous people in Sodom, will you, not, will you spare and the Lord said, yes, I will, for 50 righteous people, I will share. And like most of us, especially those that work in uh, uh, maybe commercial real estate or, or business or anything like that, he kind of starts uh, throwing out his, his greatest car dealer 
mode, he says, all right, well, okay, maybe I kind of shot that too high. What about for 45, God? God said, okay, for 45. And he goes on down 40, 30, 20, and he lands on 10. He says, God, what about 10? If you find 10 righteous in Sodom, will you not spare the city? And God said, for 10, I'll spare the city. You see, he begins asking for 50, and he ends up at 10. And God still, he said, the same answer. Whether it was 50 or 10, God said, if we can find 10 righteous people in the city. 10. I mean, look how many people are in this service today. He said, for 10, I'll spare the city. And God tells him, here's a thought. While Abraham is interceding, on behalf of his nephew and the people of Sodom, Lot had no idea that that was going on. Aren't you glad? And we ought to thank God. We should praise God for that mom, for that dad, for that grandmother, for that grandfather, for that aunt, that uncle, for that coworker, for that really good friend of ours that interceded on our behalf when we weren't living for Jesus. Or before we came to faith in Jesus. We ought to praise God for that that person. Young people. You have no idea the prayers that are going out for you. On a daily basis. On a weekly basis. Coming from your home. Coming from your church. Coming from your, your school. Your community. Your teachers. Your coaches. Who have a strong faith in Jesus. People are interceding on your behalf that even in the times when you are not pursuing God, they're praying that God will still pursue you. And they're praying. And they're on their knees. And there's tears flowing sometimes. And you ought to thank God for those people. Even when you don't like them or even when you don't love them. Even when they don't do what you've asked them to do or what you want them to do. You ought to praise God. That you have people in your life that love you enough that are willing to intercede on your behalf before a loving God. A lot of you know my story. When I was in high school, my 10th, 11th grade year, I played the church game. I grew up in the church. I was a product of growing up in the church. I heard the lessons. I heard the sermons. I sang the songs. But there was a time in my life when I had gone through the motions of saying a prayer and even being baptized. And there was, all it was, was going through the motions. You see, there was no change here. And because there was no change here, I thought I knew what to say when I was asked in Sunday school, when I was asked, you know, questions. I knew exactly what to say. There was a time in the 10th and 11th grade year of high school in my home church. My brother was uh, living uh, for God and uh, he was really close to our youth pastor. And because of that, uh, 
twins kind of can get competitive and, you know, envious and jealous sometimes, uh, just like any sibling can. And uh, so, er, simply because of what I saw in my brother and I saw what I perceived as favoritism as a young teenage boy, Every decision that our student ministry made and the students that were on fire for God wanted to make, I was, I was saying the exact opposite. What they were doing, I wanted to do the exact opposite. Within reason, because I had a healthy fear of my mother. But I did. And it wasn't until the summer before my senior year in high school, I was actually visiting another church had been visiting another church because the FCA, FCA leader was the youth pastor there. And, uh, and I had gotten really close to him because of my football days. And my youth pastor at my home church asked me if I'd start coming back. During vacation Bible school, he said, well, why don't you help me out with recreation? FYI, youth pastor doesn't always like to do recreation in Bible school. It's hot. <laughs> but that summer I went on our youth retreat. We were Sea Mist Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Adrian Dupree, our good friend, was our pastor for the week. And on the way, there on the bus... God had already been working in my heart. And I said, on Thursday night, I'm going to turn my life around. And I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. I thought I was rededicating my life, but I hadn't dedicated it in the first place. So later on, I realized what I had done. You know, and it, always, it has to happen on Thursday night. If you've ever been to youth camp uh, or on the summer camp, and on Thursday night is a, is a big night where... Many, for whatever reason, many decisions and salvations are made. So in my mind, I was like, Thursday night, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to rededicate my life, whatever I was thinking. Don't ever say when you're going to do something. Because that Tuesday night, the Spirit of God poured into my heart. And I fell to my knees. That night, as Adrian preached the message on the four chairs, and I gave my life to Jesus. And all I could think, as I was on my knees, crying my eyes out, as a high school football player who was bigger than most people, with the people that I had hurt. But what I came to find out, when I was on my knees there, those same kids who I always wanted to do opposite of them were the same kids who had their hands on me and were praying for me and had been praying for me. And they, they were, had been interceding on my behalf even when I didn't know it. And I thank God for those young ladies and those young men who love me enough 
despite, and I'm telling you, I had a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. Now, I know y'all can't, y'all can't tell that now, but there was a time before Jesus that you, do, you didn't want to be around me a lot of times. But, I, but we got to thank God for the people who are willing to intercede on our behalf. God, listen to Abraham's prayer. And if, we, if I can tell you one thing, isn't it good to know that we serve a God who is interested in our personal life to the point that he listens to us when we pray? God, listen to Abraham and his prayer and his plea on behalf of God, of his his nephew Lot. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 comes to my mind and it says this. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance in Jesus Christ. God is not slow to fulfill his promise. And no, he is an on time God. And it may not count. It may not happen on your time because if it's not God's time and your, your time isn't God's time, it isn't going to happen. But in that time, in that right moment, God will fulfill his promise in your life and in your loved one's life as well. So if you are that parent, if you're that grandparent that are on your knees praying for your loved one right now, they may be 35 years old, but if you're still praying, you keep praying. Because you serve a God who is the promise keeper. Y'all remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was sent to people that he didn't like. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, this whole city, uh, the people uh, repent of their sins. And God offers forgiveness. And, and Jonah ends up being so mad. And he says basically the same thing. He says, God, I, I knew I just knew it in my heart. He says, and I pray to the Lord, Lord, this is not what I said when I was in the country. This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Don't be mad when somebody's praying for you. And you better thank God that you got people that love you enough that are willing to pray for you. Chapter 18, we see that God listens to Abraham's prayer. In chapter 19, we see, we're going to see that God showed mercy and grace to Lot and his family. And if you've grown up in the church, you know the story. God has already rescued Lot one time, as we talked about in chapter 14. Uh, Pastor Jack preached earlier. But in chapter 19, Lot is living in the city of Sodom. God sends the two angels to Sodom to see if he can find ten righteous men because that is what he promised Abraham. Ten righteous people. Ten. Lots at the gate of the city, which shows that he's got prominence and leadership in the city. And he notices that they're divine and his reaction is much like his, his uncle's and He bows down face first as a sign of respect. Lot is in Sodom. He knows what's going on. He may not be totally immersed in that culture, but he knows exactly what's going on, and he isn't doing anything about it. 
He's not interceding on their behalf. Why? Because he had conformed to the culture of the city in which he lived. As Pastor Jack said last week, Lot's heart was inside him long before his body was. But in spite of Lot's poor choices for him and his family, God was going to rescue Lot for a second time. And his family from destruction that he was about to bring on Sodom and Gomorrah. So you know the story. So the angels come. Lot meets him at the gate. He brings him to his house. One, because I think he feared because he knew exactly what the men wanted, would want to do with them. And so he brings him to the house. While they're at the house, the men of the, of the city come, young and old. And they say, bring those two men out to us. For we want to be with them. Their exact words, where are the men who come tonight? Bring them to us that we may know them. And all with that, those words there that we may know them is a sensual act. And a lot of times, let me, let me just say this, a lot of times we get caught up right there. But, but homosexuality was not the only sin going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was one of many. It was a wicked place. Lot protects the men. He even offers up his daughters. What kind of crazy guy is that? Although we know that he was a believer because we see that in 2 Peter chapter 2 that Lot was a righteous man. Here's something else that we see in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, so in, the, in other words... The situation happens. Lot protects the men. And uh, then they don't find ten righteous people. And so they get Lot. Tell them, get your family and your loved ones and those that are with you. And I'll get them out of the city because we're going to destroy it. Lot, very timid, very hesitant. Why? Because you, you live within sin for so long, our flesh still longs to pull us that way. Maybe you've been there. But he spares a lot. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Don't conform to the patterns of the world, Paul tells the believers at Rome. Don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And unfortunately, even though Lot was a believer, he had started making poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. And before you knew it, he had conformed more to the culture and the life of Sodom than the life of a believer in Christ that he should have. He may not have been acting like them completely, but he also wasn't acting in being the light of God that he should have been, not only in the city, but in his household as well. Do you realize that between the two son-in-laws that were promised to his daughters and his two daughters and his wife and himself, that's six people right there. If Lot had been the spiritual leader in his house, they would have been able to find ten men. And if that's not a challenge or an encouragement to our men in this place today, to myself 
and ought to be the spiritual leaders in the household. And I don't know what is. Lots of decisions. Didn't help the situation out much. But aren't you thankful for God's grace in your own life? I know we know the story. Lot and his family heading out. They're told not to look back. His wife being adapted and conformed in that culture as well. There was just something that just wanted her, wanted to look back one more time. I guess you could say she got a little salty. But it cost her her life. Jesus says in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, no one puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The past is there as a reminder. But if it's not glorifying to God, let it be. Because better days are ahead. And I say that to our young people. I say that to our adults. I say that to our moms and dads. Dads, let's be the spiritual leaders that God has called us to be. That God has placed us in our families to be. And it won't always be easy. But man, will it be rewarding. Aren't you thankful for God's grace in your own life? Think about that. Think about, you, we can look here, we can look at Lot and say, I can't believe he was doing this, doing that, and all. But yet if we would put the mirror to our own face in our own life, and all, we would see that we may not have made the exact decision that Lot did, but we make a lot of decisions that are sin as well. But understand this also. It's very important to note that God loved the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He loved them despite their sin. In spite of their sin, God loved them. And he would have spared the whole city if there was ten righteous people in the city. He loved them just as he loves you and I. Romans 5.20 says this, When sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Thank God for his amazing grace. Lot didn't deserve to be rescued. No more than we deserved salvation. But God is a God of promises. He's a God of covenant. He's a God who loves you and he loves me. And even when you are not pursuing God, even when you are not following hard after God, God still loves you. If anything, encouragement that we can come from chapter 19, it's this. Like I said, 2 Peter 2, 6 and 8 tells us that, that Lot was a righteous man. And now if I flip back over to it, it says this. And I'm going to start in verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to change and gloomy darkness to be kept in the judgment. Verse 6. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes to condemn them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, 
For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lost deeds that he saw and heard. If there's anything that we can, any encouragement that I want to share with you today is this, that understand this, believers still sin. Abraham, as righteous as he was, still sinned. He went to Egypt instead of Trusting God. He took Hagar and had a child with him instead of trusting God. We see in chapter 20, he lied again. And he was a righteous man. He was a follower. Believers still sin. Why? Because of our sinful nature. Just because you are forgiven and the grace of God has been given to you through Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you're going to make every decision right. But what it should mean is this, is that we strive to make decisions each and every day that glorify God and point others and draw others toward Jesus. Lot needed the mercy and grace of God to rescue him once again. My question is this, do you need that grace and mercy in your life? Do you need that grace and mercy in your life? Isaiah 55, verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on you. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Today, No, the Lord is here. Today, grace is available to you. Mercy is available to you and I. We see that God showed mercy to grace. Warren Wiersbe says this, Never underestimate the importance of a small number of believers. As few as ten ten people would have saved a whole city from destruction. And he goes on to say this, Your personal witness today is important to God no matter how insignificant you feel. So whether you're struggling with anxiety, whether you struggle with depression, understand this, your testimony matters to God. And there are people in your realm of influence that need to hear your testimony of how the grace of God has saved you. No matter how insignificant you feel. Do you realize how much and how how rapid mental illness is in our world today? So many young people, so many adults battling anxiety and depression at a skyrocketed rate. Rates and percentages we've never seen before. And you can stand there and say, man, I'm tough and everything. I don't know why they're worried about this. And that's the worst thing that you could say to somebody who's struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, is, why are you feeling that way? Maybe that's the way you grew up, where men were tough and they don't cry. Can I tell you, that is one of the biggest lies of the the devil for a culture of people, of men in in our world today, that real men don't cry. 
Do you realize that Jesus Christ wept for his friend? Don't buy into that. Don't conform to that that pattern of that culture of thinking. It's one thing to be tough. It's another thing to be tough and be willing to be so transparent and all that you're willing to show when you're hurting. The third thing we see in these in this passage as we continue through Genesis 21 is this that God always keeps his promise and I'm going to I'm going to fast forward through this. In due time God kept his promise to Sarah and to Abraham. Sarah conceived a child in her old age. Abraham named him Isaac, just as he was told in Genesis 17. Can you imagine the joy of the parents as they, they felt when Isaac was born? Tears of joy were surely part of the excitement. God is a God of promises, people. He's a God of promises. We read many of his promises throughout his word. Old Testament to New Testament. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, whosoever believes in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In in John 16, Jesus promises the helper, the Holy Spirit, will come as he leaves to help the disciples. 1 John 1, 9. One of the first scripture passages I ever memorized other than John three sixteen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Promises all throughout the Bible. When God makes his promises, he always keeps them. He always keeps them. 100% of the time. Moving on, chapter 22. As God kept his promise to Abraham and, I, and, and Sarah to give birth and give them an heir and all to the promise, to the covenant that God made with Abraham. In chapter 22, we see things change pretty quickly. And we see this, that God will test our faith in order to grow and strengthen our faith. Just real quick, in Genesis chapter 2, God says this, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, the, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. God gives Abraham a son. And now he's asking him to sacrifice him on his behalf. God was really wanting to test Abraham to see where his loyalty lied. Just as things seemed to be good for Abraham and Sarah, God tests Abraham. God tells Abraham, take your son Isaac up to this mountain that I'm going to show you. And I don't want you to consecrate him. I want you to sacrifice him. I don't want you to dedicate him. I want you to sacrifice his life for my sake. And Abraham rose early the next day. The scripture says. He got things together. And headed off with two of his young men. And Isaac. Can you imagine. As they got to the, the bottom of the mountain. there Where they camped out. 
And then Abraham and Isaac went up the mountain. Can you imagine the emotions? Can you imagine the emotional stress that was going on in Abraham's life? He, he trusted God. Yes, he did. And he was trusting that God would provide another sacrifice, another substitute. But he was, as he went up the mountain, and this is what Isaac said to his dad. He said, my father... And he said, here I am, son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. I've heard it all my life, all through my ministry. People say, and, and in good, good thinking, God won't test you. And all you're a believer in Christ, God's not going to test you. And that sounds good on the surface. There's only one thing. It's not biblical. It's a lie. God will test us. James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, knowing that it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide steadfastness and it's going to mature your faith. It's going to strengthen your faith. And he goes on in verse 16, and he says these words right here. Excuse me. He says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. God will test your faith in order to strengthen it and grow your faith to become a more mature believer so that when other tests and other trials come, just like Abraham, you can say, God, I don't understand it. And all, but this is what you've asked me to do. This is what I'm going to do. Here's the good news. Abraham trusted God to provide. And he did. As Abraham put Isaac up there on that altar. As he took the knife out. And as he was getting ready to come down, the angel of the Lord said, stop. He says, do not do that. Don't lay a hand on your boy or do anything for him. For I know that you fear God, seeing that you not withhold your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket of the horns. And Abraham took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering for his son. You say, God won't test, test you. God won't test me. He's a believer. No, God won't tempt you. But God will test you. And if God isn't testing you, there may be a reason for that. God tested Abraham, and Abraham passed the test with flying colors. Now, there's, there are people, maybe people in this room, who look at chapter 22 and they wonder what kind of God would ask a man to sacrifice a, the son that he was promised by God as part of the covenant? A God who was willing to do this exact same thing with his son for your sin and for my sin. A God who was willing to do exactly what he was asking Abraham to do. Because in our sinfulness, God provided the perfect lamb in the form of Jesus to die on a a cruel Roman cross for the sin of the world. God has made us a promise as well. 
Just as God was willing to sacrifice his own son and did for the sake of you and I that we may be reconciled to God. Something that our sin had separated us from. God has also made us a promise that any man, woman, boy, girl, grandparent who would call on the name of the Lord would repent of their sin and trust Jesus with their life will be saved. What a promise. What a promise. That's that's the God that I've fallen in love with. That's the God that many of you have fallen in love with. And here's the thing. You're going to sin. I'm going to sin. You know, if there there was a video camera, if there was a YouTube channel of my life, oh my goodness. Just being honest. Just because I'm saved doesn't mean I don't sin. And just because you're saved doesn't mean that you don't sin. The promise keeper says that if you'll put your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ that you'll be saved. And he's inviting you today to put your faith and trust in Jesus. With every invitation that is ever given, there is a response. And God is inviting you to experience his grace in the form of his son, Jesus. Today, I ask you this question. What is your response? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for the grace that you have shown us, just like you showed Lot and his family, just as you showed Abraham, just as you've shown everyone who's ever lived on the face of the earth. Understand that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is grace. Something that we don't deserve, but God offers it freely to all who will trust in Jesus. God, today as we come to this time, I ask, how will we respond? Maybe you don't need to respond to salvation, but your response is you need to repent. There are things in your life. Father, may your spirit have his way today. In your name we pray. Finish up as Joey and the musicians play. I ask you, what response do you have to make? Maybe your response is salvation and you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe your response is that there's sin in your life and you need to repent of it. Can I tell you something? Something that God has shown me over the last year. Repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is a healing thing. And it's something that is needed in every believer's life. So can you be truthful and honest with God? Maybe there's a loved one, like Lot, that you need to pray for. The altar's open. Maybe you need to grab somebody and just pray right there. Whatever it is, you respond. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Jack to stand down here as well. Let's stand together, please.
We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.